The Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, we're back for week two. That's right, you thought. You thought we were going to go on hiatus again. No, we are back and ready to go. Scott, how are you today? I'm not bad at all. And yourself? I am doing well. It is Labor Day here in the States, and I have a day off. So I am all good in the neighborhood. Yes, good day off. On days off, we love to talk about boxing, and that's what Scott and I are here to do. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. You want to know anything regarding Asian boxing, please go to the website. Scott does such an excellent job with keeping you up to date. And speaking of keeping you up to date, let's start off with a huge fight that happened last week. And this was for the WBO Asia Pacific lightweight title, the OPBF lightweight title, and the Japanese lightweight title, Shuichiro Yoshino versus Valentin Hosokawa. How did this one turn out? This turned out to be probably the best test for Yoshino so far. Um, Hosokawa is a veteran. He's tough, he's rugged, and he came to fight, unfortunately. Yoshino a bit too light on his feet, a bit too quick, a bit too young and fresh. But it was a really good test for Yoshino. He was taking 12 rounds for the first time. He had a long streak of stoppages uh, before this. And it was, yeah, it was the sort of test he needs before before thinking about world-ranked guys, before thinking about top competition. I still think Yoshino's probably got another two or three fights at this type of level before he looks for a a top 10 guy, but this is a fantastic test. It's the best I've seen Yoshino. And, that, and that's pretty good because before he was mowing through guys, you mentioned that long KO streak. I mean, his last fight that went to the distance was in 2017. You're right. Hosokawa is an excellent test. Veteran knows what he's doing in there and took him 12, which I think is very important especially if you want to get to that world title level. If it's not world level yet, what's his next step? I think his next step is probably another defense of the OPBF and WBR Edge Pacific titles. I think they probably do need to try and get in either a top Thai or a top Filipino, um, maybe even a bout with someone like Masayuki Ito or Hironori Mishira, who fight each other in November. Uh, he needs... Somebody who's going to, again, push him. Maybe a Romero Duno, for example. Um, but yeah, he isn't ready for the top guys. He's not far off being ready for the sort of... The Jorge Linares is, the Javier Fortunas, the Ivan Mendes. I'd give another year. Um, give another couple of 12-rounders as well. Lightweight, currently at the world level, is one of the best weight classes. It's stacked. There's a lot of... Young talent, so if he eventually gets there, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be guys to fight. Um, The question is, will he get there in time? He's 28, so he's not old yet, but if, if it takes him a couple years, do you think that puts him just a little too old to get to that world level? don't think so. I think when you look at the likes of Haney, Ryan Garcia, yeah, you've got some youngsters there, but you've also got guys like Jorge Linares and Luke Campbell, Javier Fortuna, Richard Comey, all older than him already. So I think he has got that 
18 months, two years in hand to try and get that level of experience needed. Also on this card, uh, there was a a very quick fight, Scott. There was a blinking you miss it performance by Yasutaka Fujita, who just signed with the Masako gym uh, earlier this year. Uh, he lost in the All Japan Rookie of the Year final last year, and he had a point to prove. He took just 19 seconds to stop Kensuke Nakamura in, yeah, I think he landed like one punch the entire fight and took Nakamura out of his senses. Really impressive, really short, the perfect type of comeback. That's a quick fight. 19 seconds is incredibly fast. That wasn't the fastest knockout this week, though. It wasn't the fastest knockout at Corrigan Hall this week. Uh, that honor belongs to Eto Abe, who stopped Kentaro Omori in 17 seconds in an East Japan Rookie of the Year belt. And that was a brutal knockout as well. Also on this card at, at the event, which uh, happened again last week, we had a surprise visitor. We had two surprise visitors, had it not been announced about a week earlier. Um, Kenshiro Taraji and Hiroaki Teshiguara put on a two-round sparring exhibition. Um, this was basically to keep Kenshiro busy to help fill up the venue because there's only actually two fights on the entire show. And it allowed Teshiguara to shake some rust before he next defends his OPBF Super Bantamweight title in October, I believe. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to where Kenshiro has been. I love watching him. Of course, it's been a while since he's been in the ring. What do you think is next for him? What's next for him will be a world title defense. When that happens, is still up in the air. They're still not allowing huge amounts of fans into venues in Japan. I think um, they're allowing about 30% of venues in some cases. So we're probably not going to see him until that changes. Yeah, it's a shame that it's taken, it's completely destroyed his momentum going forward. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we will see him back sooner rather than later. Yeah, what I really miss in the ring, I just miss the Kenshiro. I miss that. I want that back, Scott. And that cheeky smile. Yes, and the, the peace signs. It's just, he's such a lovable guy. You look at him and it's like, this guy's not a boxer. There's no way. There's no way. He's a prize fighter. And then he just jabs everyone to death. So fan friendly. His opponent, Hiroaki Teshiguara. What's next for Teshiguara? Teshiguara is defending his Oriental title. He wants to fight um, Rizuke Iwasa if possible, um, which I think would be a fantastic fight. If you've not seen Teshiguara, he's an aggressive, exciting, herky-jerky, power-punching hybrid of styles who was um, managed for a long time by Koichi Wajima, who, if you think Rocky looks great, watch a Koichi Wajima fight. So you're saying it's bloody, it's violent, it's exactly what boxing fans want. Yeah, Koichi Wajima, who for decades ago um, was pretty much an all-action hero. He got knocked down and then got up repeatedly. His fights were just absolute brawls. Brilliant, brilliant, entertaining fighter. He could also sing a bit as well, so better do-it-all guy. Asianboxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast. I'm sure you could watch some of his fights on the website, Asianboxing.info. 
You can indeed. Um, Wojima, we've got quite a lot of Wojima fights. He is very fun. Scott, this past Sunday, there was a card in Thailand. This was a Tan Telecom promotion show that featured mm, far more bouts than Box Record got recorded. The prospect on the card, the real true talent on that card, was Natapon Jankyu, who was a former amateur standout. He's a super flyweight who is very much a pure boxer. He has mimicked Floyd Mayweather in previous fights. He didn't do that too much here, but he did completely score Samartlek Kikijim. Uh, Samartlek is probably best known for losing to Noya Inoue and Akira Yaigashi. And that's something the commentary want to really bang in by repeating Noya Inoue's name six or seven times early on in the fight. Controlled performance by Natapong, I think he probably won all ten rounds. He couldn't stop Samartlek, which is what I would have liked to have seen, but it was, yeah, this kid is real good. Glad that you are here, Scott, because these names, they're tough. And you you always hit them right on the dot. And if I was pronouncing it, be all over the place. With ties, you've got to remember that the other, the, their other name is sometimes easier to say. I love Thai boxing, though. And they're, they just seem to cultivate a culture out there of boxers that are skilled, that are tough. Um, and I know, of course, they have their own Thai boxing, Muay Thai, which is a variation of the boxing that we love. But it translates quite well to uh, the boxing style that we like. It can do. The other guy on this card that's actually worth noting is, uh, I was, Pungman Saw Singu, who apparently had about 100 Muay Thai fights. He's got a big upset win over Kampi Fayom. Pungling is probably best known as a two-time WBO bantamweight champion. He fought over in the U.S. against Tamaki Kamida uh, a few years ago. And yeah, he picked up his first win in a while, his first meaningful win in a while. And he was a Muay Thai fighter by all accounts. Asian Boxing Podcast, AsianBoxing.info. It's Scott and Colin. And Scott, some exciting news coming up. Uh, Takeshi Inoue is going to be back in the ring, and there is a date and an opponent set for Inoue. What's the details on that? He will be part of the Kazuto Takisako Riku Kunimoto card on November 7th. That card will be televised on a Japanese subscription channel G+, or NTV G+. And he'll be facing the unbeaten Nath, and I'm so sorry to him, I'm going to completely butcher his surname here, Nath Noashukwu, who uh, won Rookie of the Year, I believe, a few years ago. He's only beaten in eight fights. A natural middleweight come like middleweight. He should provide some resistance to Takeshi Inoue. So right after I praise you for all the great pronunciations, you just go and butcher this guy's name. <sighs> yeah, I'm terrible. I'll hang my head in shame. Uh, for Inoue, I know there was... A time where he had a, a world title shot when he fought Jaime Munguia. Does he get back to the world level? I think he probably will get one more shot at that level. Unfortunately, with the world how it is and entrance to Japan being quite limited, it's no wonder he is having a takeover fight like this. But again, as with we mentioned Yoshino earlier, Time isn't infinite, and Inoue is certainly a little bit older. He's in a division that is stacked, absolutely stacked. The light middleweight division worldwide is brilliant, one of the best, and he may have to wait for a second shot. 
last week we touched on Masayuki Ito getting back in the ring and facing a tough, tough Japanese opponent in Mishiro. We didn't know what the details were on the undercard, but Scott, you have some information on a fight that has been added to that undercard. There's been three fighters announced for the undercard. One is Hyoga Taniguchi. One is Jin Sasuke, who I believe we'll be talking about in a little bit. And the other is the former world title challenger, Ryo Akaho. Unfortunately, none of the trio have got their next opponents uh, named. But that's, you got the power puncher, you got the former world title contender, you got the skills to there. So that's brilliant. Um, brilliant bouts, or brilliant fighters on the card below the main event. Hopefully they all get good opponents. Always nice to have those prospects, especially on a card that's going to be watched widely in Japan. You have two stars in Ito and Mishiro, but it's good to get those young prospects. And speaking of young prospects, let's transition into our new segment here on Asian Boxing, where Scott breaks down a young prospect. And today, we focus on 19-year-old... Jin Sasaki, Scott, this kid is is impressive. He's undefeated and he's coming up the ranks very quickly. And he's going to be on that Ito card. He is. He is one of the best teenage prospects in. I'm going to say world box right now. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's powerful. He's quick. He's exciting. And mine, he gets it. He knows that boxing is meant to be entertaining, and he's entertaining. He's charismatic. He takes almost every box a promoter can possibly want. And given that he's only 19, only just turned 19 as well, um, he turned 19 in July, he has superstar potential. Right now, 8-0, 7 knockouts, and he's fought in between that light to super lightweight weight. Um, his latest fight, again, a, a quick knockout. Uh, what do you think is his strongest asset or his strongest the strongest part of his boxing game i think the strongest part of his game is that he's already a professional style as an amateur he went one and three he didn't really have a style suit to the amateurs he was more about aggression more about power and as a result he turned professional very young at the age of 17 with the hachioji nakaya gym um that same gym that had Nirohita Arakawa and Charles Orta, or Charlie Bellamy. So it's a well-established gym. He has quickly progressed with them. He has progressed despite blowing people out. His first five fights, I believe, all ended inside the distance. He also got international experience in there, fighting once in Thailand. He is a very ultra-aggressive boxer puncher. So he has the style that will catch the eye when we see him, or when more fans see him, of course. Always important to have that that fan friendly style. I'm not saying that you know having a more defensive style is, is a bad thing because we've seen those fighters be successful as well. But it's not only about winning the fight; it's about winning over the fans. It is about winning over the fans. I think he's done it very, very well. Even when there was very few fans at the Shinjuku Fast for his fight with Shun Akaiwa. He put on a show that people watching the stream of it will remember. Oh, that's the guy that came out in that cool outfit. It's the guy that came out with a lot of charisma. It's the guy that came out very confident. It's the guy that just threw bombs from the off. 
he's going to end up etching his way into people's minds very, very quickly if they haven't already. Also, a very tall fighter, around 5'7", five, 5'8", five, so that length probably helps helps him out a lot. It certainly does. He has got a good job. We don't see it often enough because he wants to entertain, but he has got a very good job. We did see it against Ichikawa. We saw it against uh, Hikaru Sato in the Rookie of the Year last year and Tetsuya Kondo in the Rookie of the Year last year. He looked massive against Shun Akaiwa, who went into the bout as a Japanese-ranked uh, light welterweight. Akaiwa, who came in genuinely full of confidence, he came in with a good win, was demoralized almost by the time they both got into the ring together. Um, I think possibly the best thing about Sasuke is he has that real presence, that eye-catching presence that will terrify opponents at this level. There you go. So keep your eye out for young 19-year-old Jin Sasuke. And also make sure to keep an eye out for our boxing profiles here on Asian Boxing. We'll do one every week. Scott, what else do you have planned for today? Let, let's step aside from boxing and get into the life of Scott. What are you doing today? I'll be hopefully watching some of the football. Czech Republic versus Scotland. It's 1-1 at the moment. I'm probably going to lose money on this game. Oh, no. Who, who'd you put money on this time? You're not, you're not a Scotland fan at all? Hello, Scottish listeners. I probably offended you for that. And you shouldn't spot Scotland Football Club. Scotland national team, kickball team. We apologize to all our Scottish fans. We love you. We adore you. Scott meant no harm in his comments. It's AsianBoxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will talk to you next time.